I'm Denise. She's a non-fiction editor. And I'm Louise. She's a fiction editor. And together, we're The Editing Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Editing Podcast. And this week, we're delighted to welcome a new guest, the wonderful Laura portwood Stacer. That's right. And Laura's an academic developmental editor who specialises in helping authors develop their book manuscripts and book proposals. So welcome, Laura. Thank you so much for having me. I feel a little bit starstruck because I'm such a fan of the podcast. So I'm really honoured to be here. Oh, we were so glad to have you. We wanted you to come on first before you come with us. So, <laughs> so right we're all out, yeah. happy. Yeah, we're all happy. That's great. So in this episode, we're going to be focusing on academic developmental editing, but we will be returning to talk to Laura again about book proposals. So keep an ear out for when that episode goes live. Yeah. So let's get cracking. Laura, perhaps you could start by sharing your insights into what academic developmental editing is and what it involves. Yeah. So so I'll begin with my definition of developmental editing, just plain yeah, developmental editing. That's a great idea. idea. <laughs> yeah. Because as um, we know, editors never agree precisely yes, on what these things yes. are. So. <laughs> So this is kind of the definition I've synthesized, um, which is making or recommending changes to a text that involve altering substantial portions of the content or the underlying structural organization. And the goal there is to achieve an argument, a narrative arc, a style, all of those big picture aspects of the text that will more effectively connect with the author's target readers. That that's sounds... really interesting because yeah. actually you've used some terms there that I would use in um, when, if I was talking about fiction editing. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of overlaps there. But so academic developmental editing would be, you know, doing all of that for academic manuscripts. Yeah. Uh, in other words, texts that academic authors are hoping to publish with scholarly presses and journals. Right. Okay, then. So for editors... What sort of skills and background are, are you looking at to be a good academic developmental editor? What do you typically need to have if you want to focus in that area? I mean, can anyone do it? Or is there specialist training that you need to have done? There is some um, expertise or background that can be helpful for this kind of work. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't have to have all of these things. But I'll tell you some of the things that academic developmental editors often have. Um, They may be former academics themselves. Um, So they may have, you know, an advanced degree in the field that they are working on texts within. Um, They may have published texts of this type before, like journal articles or books. Um, Or on the other side, they might have some experience in-house working in scholarly publishing. Um, And that kind of background helps with knowledge of the standards of publishing and what is expected of authors, because that's something that academic authors are often really unclear on. Mm -hmm. So a developmental editor can help with that. Um, And then also if you have kind of experience teaching writing or critiquing writing, um, that can be helpful because developmental editing can be a really collaborative process between editors and authors. Mm. So none of those elements are absolutely necessary, but they do help you do the work better. Um, So for example, you don't have to have an advanced degree to be an academic developmental editor, but having that degree kind of helps you understand 
the genre that the authors are writing in, the conventions of that, but you could read on your own to get a sense of that. So it is something you could kind of move into that area if you have experience with editing, but not with academics. That's really useful because I think I think sometimes people working on academic um, uh, materials do sometimes worry about how much do I need to know about this particular subject? You know, do I need to have got that that degree or that or that doctorate or whatever? So that's really useful to know how it can be useful, but it's not necessarily essential. Yeah, I think it's interesting that you think about having an understanding of the, the other side, the, the, the publication side of it and understanding what goes on in that process can be equally useful um, as having an academic background. So I, I think what you've done there has shown us how there's actually quite a broad set of skills that can be brought to use in academic developmental editing, broader than perhaps people might have initially thought. Yes, definitely. And I would say in my experience, academic clients don't know very much about the editing world. So they're open to you explaining how you can help them. You know, as long as you're clear about that, I don't think there's a lot of questioning of credentials that goes on. Mm -hmm. Um, They just want help getting their publications out, you know? Mm. Yeah, when you think about some of the, some of the presses that you're, the academic presses and university presses you're going to be dealing with, that means that... (laughs) what the, the the developmental editor is doing is is sort of bridging that gap so that that if a, if an author was to get taken on by um those presses that they're, they're they're coming to the process with a much um stronger sense of kind of you know what goes where than they yes. would be um which will give them confidence and it will also give their commissioning editors confidence as well so that's a really valuable aspect of the um process that you're bringing to the table definitely so um We've sort of touched on this already, but why why do academic authors seek help from developmental editors? What are their problems and what are they looking for you to bring to the table? We, you know, we've talked a little, a little bit about that, but can you go into a bit more detail about that perhaps? Yeah. So so for any listeners who like aren't uh, familiar with the academy, you know, there's that idea of publish or perish. Um, so publication is very important to the careers of most academics. Um, whether that's journal articles or books. So um, the stakes are really high. So if they can find somebody, a professional who can help them achieve their publication goals, they are often willing to invest in that. So they may come to an editor, you know, just from the start knowing, you know, I don't have time for trial and error in my publication journey. I just need to get these things out and on my CV. Um, Or they may have had some experience with rejection and be looking to kind of fix the problems in their writing. Um, They also, you know, again, a a kind of feature, a structural feature of the academy is that everyone is overworked and no one has enough time. (laughs) So they often can't get helpful feedback from their own colleagues Um, Or it may be hard to get honest feedback from colleagues who may feel reluctant to give criticism. Um, So hiring a professional can sort of take all of that complication out of it for them. Oh, that's perfect sense. It Um, does make sense. Yeah, yeah. So, so Laura, can you tell us then, going into a little bit deeper, can you tell us about the actual, the nitty gritty of the work? So, you know, what kind of things should academic developmental editors expect to be doing 
on the daily basis? What sort of documents do they work on and what do they do with those documents? Yeah, so I would say that the kinds of documents that are most common are book manuscripts and journal article manuscripts, um, mm -hmm. but academic writers may also need assistance with book proposals, grant proposals, job application materials where they're being asked to, to write about their research. Um, and, and many academics also want to write for a broader public, and so they may seek an editor mm -hmm. to help them reach that different kinds of audience. And then the kinds of work we might do with an author could be writing up a manuscript assessment where we kind of give them the big picture issues in their writing. We might do hands-on editing of the documents, moving things around, making suggestions. Um, we might also do a bit of consulting or coaching, you know, through the publication process um, mm -hmm. or a combination of these things. And then some editors oh, like myself, uh, some editors like myself also run group programs or give workshops at universities. And Laura, at that stage, would you might, um, to what degree would you be getting involved with line work? Or would you say that that's, you would, you would want that being done in a separate process? Yeah, this is a great question. So there, there can be a lot of overlap between what some people might call line editing or structural editing or substantive editing and developmental editing. I would say in developmental editing, we're focused on it's four big picture things. Um, the argument or the major claim that the author is making, the evidence, so how the author uses information to support the claims, the narrative or the structure of the text, um, and then the style or the manner of presentation to the audience. Um, and I think of that as being like the author's voice or how they speak to the audience versus mm -hmm you know, like the house style or the, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. the things that a yeah. copy editor might be looking at. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. So, so some of that can, can overlap with line editing. Many line editors will look at those kinds of issues, but there's, um, you know, you, tr as a developmental editor, you try to ignore things like mechanical errors or grammar. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you know that the manuscript might need that later, but that's not what you're there to do. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. That's very interesting. Just even just you um, explaining those four sort of pillars, if you like, of the work that you do. That's just that's just giving me a little bit of clarity, actually, in in sort of imagining how a developmental edit might take place in this setting in the sort of academic world. So that that in itself has been really helpful. Thanks. It, it, uh, oh, great. Sorry, carry on, Denise. I've just wanted to pop in. No, go on. It's okay. Well, I was just going to say me too, because I must admit, I mean, I used to um, do proofreading of academic stuff, um, but but I've long since left that behind. And I must admit, I, I I could imagine, I could I could get my head around what somebody might be doing if they said they line edited or copy edited academic material in terms of how I define line editing, which is like sentence level work, but very much stylistic, but perhaps with some copy editing and more, more technical stuff thrown in too. But I really didn't know kind of what you'd be doing. I, I know what a fiction developmental editor does, um, but I didn't understand what those 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 four pillars you mentioned, I, I, I couldn't have articulated it like that. And I think it's really, really useful um, mm -hmm. that you've done that for our listeners. Thank you. 
Yeah, you're welcome. And yeah, it can involve, you know, moving portions of the text around to make the argument clear or helping someone put in subheadings or come up with better subheadings to kind of lead the reader through the text in the right way. Yes, it's a flow thing mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but that that sort of falls into that kind of that, again, is the narrative working? Is the story of the, uh, mm -hmm. does the argument make sense? So, yeah. Um, and I suppose it's as well, it's that having that like you said, that distance from it in a little way that you can see how how better to lead the reader through the journey than perhaps the academic themselves who's just got a bit lost in the weeds, that you've got that bigger <laughs> picture view of it and can see that journey perhaps more clearly than they can. Absolutely. And that's another reason why I think developmental editors don't necessarily need to have subject matter expertise. Right. Um, you know, that can be a little bit helpful as context, but you're really evaluating on those, those more universal aspects of writing um, and mm -hmm. helping the author connect. And they're the one who's the expert on the content, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So Laura, I, I know some of our listeners are going to be listening to this and thinking, well, why should I do this when I'm already a sentence level specialist? So what would you say the, are the benefits to editors of offering academic developmental editing as a service? Yeah, so so there are many. Um, I think, you know, maybe one of the most lofty might be that it, you can be really intellectually engaging because mm -hmm. um, you're really helping the author build an argument. Um, and then, you know, you can have a great impact on someone's career if you can help them, you know, make their work clearer and easier to access for readers. They may get cited more. They may get, you know, yeah. uh, more advancement in their intellectual reputation. Um, so it can be really a meaningful collaboration to have with authors. And then on the maybe less lofty side, it can be comparatively lucrative as a type mm -hmm. of freelance editing. Um, you know, because so much is at stake for the authors, um, you know, especially regarding their own careers and their own ability to earn income, um, they may be willing to invest a bit yeah. more mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. for this type of editing. So the, the rates tend to be a little higher. Yeah, that's really important. I don't think that's, I think that is lofty. It's, lof it's lofty <laughs> and not intellectually lofty, but it's business savvy lofty, yes. isn't it? <laughs> yes. And we are, we're not doing this as charities. We are here to make nope. a living out of our jobs. So that's really important for people to understand. Yeah. And that's recognising the value of what you're doing, isn't yeah. it? It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And yes. the way you linked it there to the, um, you know, their, their, their career trajectory, that's really mm -hmm. important. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, the other upside is that these types of jobs can be quite expansive. Um, mm. So you may not need to find as many clients mm -hmm. to sustain mm -hmm. this, to sustain a freelance business. Um, so while you still have to do marketing and all of the normal things, it might not be, um, you might not have to do it as constantly. Yeah. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah. Do you, do you find that once you've worked with an academic and developed a, a level of trust with them and a good working relationship that then what you're saying is that you know they tend to stick with you as they move on to different journal articles and different book proposals and you, you yes. sort of work with them through, through these multiple projects. Yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. Although I will say that the time between projects could be quite long. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes, but they, the word, word of mouth. <laughs> yes, yeah. But word of mouth within academic circles is 
um, mm -hmm. really valuable. You know, if yeah. you work with one person, they definitely have colleagues in their department or students that they're mentoring that they may mm -hmm. also refer to you. Yeah, yeah. I, I've certainly found that at copy editing level, um, I do some academic copy editing. And yeah, word of mouth is definitely a key marketing mm -hmm. <laughs> tool there, isn't it? So um, some of our listeners might have been wondering about why they might add this to their service, but all of them are going to be now thinking, how do academic developmental editors actually find clients? Now, you've just answered one of those questions in terms of the word of mouth aspect, um, but let's say you haven't managed that yet. How would you recommend, um, Laura, that people go about breaking into this kind of um well breaking not breaking in into the, the the actual mechanical side of it but actually you know getting clients mm -hmm. I think you know word of mouth among among previous clients is of course important but referrals from other editors is huge um right. especially those who have a different niche mm -hmm. um you know maybe they maybe they're already a developmental editor but they specialize in a different subject area than you want to um, or if they're a copy editor or a proofreader, proofreader who might have clients who come to them for help with something that's at like a different level, they may say, well, I know this person who is starting out as a developmental editor and they're looking for clients. Um, I, you know, I'm constantly passing along names of my developmental editing colleagues um, to clients when I think their uh, expertise might be a better fit. Mm -hmm. And that I think one thing I'm thinking now is that also if you are... Um, offering this kind of work and and people don't know about you that you do this kind of work you want to get yourself on a podcast or find <laughs> sure. a way of letting <laughs> people know that you do it you know yeah because, uh, definitely and it's and it's interesting because it's just what you're saying there about you know the referral system between editors it's bringing me straight back to our episode a couple of episodes ago that we did with Brittany and Linda about mm -hmm. networking yeah, yeah. for freelance editors and the power of that networking to refer jobs amongst editors and I think that's a whole aspect that people do overlook in terms of their marketing you know but yeah. it is so important building these relationships with our colleagues isn't it you cannot benefit from word of mouth or um, referrals if nobody knows you exist you have right. to be visible in some way yes. whether that's coming on a podcast or networking or whatever it is you have to do something to, so that people know you exist definitely and so to to echo what you both have said many times content marketing is also really helpful mm -hmm. um, so you know I've been blogging and sending out a weekly newsletter for several years that's huge for for me Mm -hmm. um, but if, but if you're an editor who's in a different, you know, area and you already kind of have a list built up, start talking about developmental editing. Maybe your mm -hmm. clients don't know it exists, don't know it's a thing that they might be able to, you know, yeah. take avail the services of. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they, they may know what they need, but not be able to articulate that it's yeah. developmental editing. Yeah. They know that was they the name might, for they it. They might not know what to call it. And so if yeah. you don't know what to call something, you don't know how to ask for it, do you? So mm -hmm. that's really valuable. It's like when you blog about this stuff, Laura, you're, you're educating your, your, not only your current audience, but your potential uh, audience as well. Fantastic. Yes. Yeah. So, Laura, this has been fantastic. To wrap up, um, could you tell us how freelance editors can access training and resources if they want to specialise in academic developmental editing? I think this might be something that you can help with. 
Yes, yes, I can. <laughs> um, I mean, I'll say, you know, more generally, um, if you have an opportunity to subcontract for a more experienced editor in this area, um, that can be a way to get some training and mentorship and kind of have have someone look over your work and, you know, to give you a bit more confidence in moving into this area. Mm -hmm. um, or if you have like a mastermind with other editors who have done some developmental editing, that can be helpful. Mm -hmm. um, and then of course, there are many courses on sort of general nonfiction developmental editing um, that can help you build skills that are transferable to academic editing. Mm -hmm. And then I in particular have um, a course on developmental editing that is specifically for academics. Right. Um, and that's a self-paced course, so it can be done at any time. It's six modules that gets into more detail about everything we talked about over the last uh, several minutes. Mm -hmm. um, and it also, I give students access to sample documents, such as editorial letters that I've sent to real clients, mm. um, because I know those kinds of things are really hard to come by if you're still kind of on the outside of this practice. Yeah. Yeah. So that course is like what I wish had existed when I started out. Um, so, you know, for listeners of the podcast, I do offer a little discount on the course. That is so generous. Um, so if you, it's the, you can find the course at courses.manuscriptworks.com. That's my general course page. And mm -hmm. if you sign up for the developmental editing course um, and use the coupon code editing podcast, all caps, all one word, that'll give you 10% off the course. Thank you, Laura. That's lovely. That's really generous. And I really hope that our listeners will take, take you up on that. Yeah, that's absolutely brilliant. Thank you. And we'll, we'll, we'll make sure to include all those links in the show notes um, and anywhere else we bandy this around. Laura, that's, that's been brilliant. Um, thank you so much. Um, that's it for this week. Thank you for joining us. It's been fabulous having you as a guest. Thank you so much for having me. This was really thrilling. Oh, it's been our pleasure. Really and nice. we hope you've all enjoyed this episode. You can rate, review and subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts, Spotify or whichever platform you prefer. Yeah, thanks so much for listening. Now, if you'd like to help support the editing podcast, you can join our Patreon community for as little as £3 a month and get exclusive access to live Q&As for just a few quid more. Yeah, we'd absolutely love to have you on board. So if you're interested, just hop over to patreon.com forward slash editing podcast and we'll include that link in the show notes too. So she's been Louise. And she's been Denise. And she's been Laura. Join us again soon. Bye. Bye.